All right, welcome listeners to the Sport of Business podcast. We're joined by the one and only, actually live from Kansas City, uh, Clay uh, Clay Weldon drove down today from Des Moines. So Clay, welcome to Kansas City. Oh yeah, good to be here for sure. <laughs> and uh, and welcome welcome back on the show. You've been on a few times, but uh, yeah, no, it's good to be here. Always good hanging out with you, Matt, in your gym. Um, so throughout the day today, we've we've actually we've been doing a lot of work, but we've also been doing a lot of uh, talking around uh, branding and storytelling more specifically. And so when you think about doing marketing as a way to share somebody's story what does that i mean what does that mean for you um like what where's the importance of telling story for you um well yeah i know it's been really fun talking to you about stories and what does that mean to our clients what does that mean to us as like a team here at three two one go to help resonate more with our clients and just with our audience and so stories are just um they they just make it real they make it real for not only for you as a gym owner understand whether it's business principles and how they relate to you, but also for your members. Because if your members can um, can relate to a story, which is why we talk about you know how before and after, just telling those stories of how a member came from from one place and have achieved their goals, it really helps other people resonate, and they're like, hey, if that person can do it, I can do it as well. You know. What's really interesting that you said about I, I really like that you brought up this idea of before and after pictures um, because I don't know if you've ever done so like the gym owners out there that have actually tried to, to pay for marketing on Facebook. Uh, Facebook will actually prevent you from doing before and after pictures of people. It, it actually violates their their terms of service for marketing. And I can only assume that that's because it's so powerful. And unfortunately, uh, it, being in the fitness industry, the power of that before and after story has been used for so many bad things out there and so many like harmful things. But it's still, I think we can take that lesson of this was your client beforehand. Something happened and here here's a, a, a picture of them after. It's a, such a powerful imagery in that one before and after picture. Uh, so... No, it is. And and I think, I mean, it's not, it's not a new concept, right? Obviously, it's been around. Infomercials have used it forever. But the idea of telling a story is it just it really, really resonates. That's why so many people go to movies, right? Because they want to see a good story. And when when you can kind of get behind that, it just makes it so much more real. And so for a business, I think a lot of times – a lot of times we, we tend to not put ourselves in their shoes and we just think, oh, this is a business. We need to do marketing. We need to do um, roles and responsibilities. We need to do systems and processes when we really kind of miss the bigger picture of like, what are we actually trying to do? I mean, what are we, what are we trying to do? And what we're really trying to do is help tell better stories, not only just for us as a gym owner, for our own story, like where do we want to go with our own gym, but even for our members, like helping them reach their goals, you know, discovering, okay, this is a pain point. I didn't even realize that I had, hey, I'm struggling with depression. I didn't realize that the gym was going to help me alleviate that. I thought I was coming in to get fit. Oh, and by the way, now I have a community of friends. My whole demeanor is so much better. That is a huge story that so many people can resonate with. 
And that will make huge advances in your gym, not only from a positivity standpoint, but you as just talking about being fulfilled, like that alone, being able to change one person's just mentality is, is extremely fulfilling. Uh, so speaking of stories, I want – so actually before we started, I joked with you about singing into yeah. these microphones. But uh, on, the, on the subject of musicianship, I think that a lot of our listeners may not know that you are a musician yourself. Whatever. <laughs> My wife would disagree with that. But yeah, oh man, I play a mean accordion. <laughs> All right. So, I, uh, and I'm going to brag. I actually studied from the world's greatest accordionist, this Italian, Daniel DiSiderio. Look him up. He's created like seven records. And I studied from him from fourth grade to 11th grade. That shows a lot of what kind of kid I was. <laughs> yep. So... <laughs> It's not that funny, I, Matt. Uh, no, I, I, I. Do you know what, Clay? I respect your story. Yes, Weird Al. So, <laughs> so what got you started playing the accordion? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to know what you started in fourth grade. You said, yeah, fourth grade. So, yeah, what is a fourth grade Clay <laughs> thinking when he sees the accordion in the music store or on TV or like? That's and right. Like, I want to play that. Yep. So I went to church and I went to a really strict church. And there was this guy. Uh, it was really funny. I grew, in this, I grew up in this church where like guys, uh, girls had to wear dresses. And it was, it was a strict like Baptist church uh-huh. Uh-huh. back east outside of Philadelphia. And there was this one guy in our church. His name was Sam. And he smoked. And he did all the things that he wasn't supposed to do. And he played the accordion. And so he would get up there and I don't know, I don't know how he worked it out, but he would get up there and jam on this accordion. I mean, accordion is not a solo instrument. It's really like a color instrument, like accompaniment, (laughs) but he would get up there and jam. And I was so enamored by this guy because he was like breaking the rules in this church. I don't know how they let him do it, but he would get up there and make that thing like come to life. So it was really cool. And I was like, man, I want to be like him. Not that I want to be a rule breaker, but like if people know me, like deep down I do want to be a rule breaker but um, I said I want to be like him I want to play the accordion so that's actually where it came about I did not I did not before bringing up that subject think that I would find out a way to tie in your accordion playing to this idea of story but what really stood out about what you just said is that it wasn't necessarily the accordion as an object you know it wasn't like that instrument it was Sam and it was what is it about out Sam that he makes something so mundane as the accordion become so cool. Yep. Was the, and that was your draw. Absolutely. Right? It was not the accordion. It was the idea of what he was and that it was so different than what I had seen. Everybody else was straight laced, following the rules. And I didn't want that, you know, and I didn't want that. And I saw the accordion and Sam as my way out. <laughs> didn't quite happen that way, but whatever. <laughs> I'm packing up my accordion and I'm moving to LA and I'm going to make it happen. That's right. <laughs> um, so I, I think that where our listeners can sort of uh, resonate with this story of you playing the accordion is that it's not, you know what I mean? Like your your local coffee shop that you love. I mean, this is kind of a played out metaphor, but it really sticks here. You're, it's not that cup of coffee. 
it, it really is not the thing that is being sold. It's the story around that thing being sold, which allows us to continually come back to it. It's not burpees. It's not thrusters. It's not – these are not the things. It's the story of the people that are doing the things. It's Sam is the reason you play the yeah. accordion, right? Yes, you got it. No, you're right. You're right. You go to a coffee shop or whatever. You go because of the experience, you know. Yeah, sure, you may run in and run out. But if you're there, maybe you work for a little bit. You're around other community of people that are interacting, either talking, doing business, like on social media, whatever it may be. But it's the experience of being in that that you kind of grasp. And it, you're right. It's the exact same thing for gyms. Like we don't go into the gym to do like the burpees or the – um, thrusters, we go in there because the experience that we're going to get, you know, and the reason why we go back is because of the experience that we want to get, you know, if you're just going in there because like, oh, sweet, I'm only paying these guys at the lowest price, um, the lowest monthly price in our area, you know, you're not going to stick around because that's not the experience you're going after, you know, so just that whole idea of story. And if you can put yourself in your client's shoes and think about what is it that they want, you know? Do they want burpees and thrusters? Okay, we'll give them the lowest price per month. You know, you're not gonna keep them. But if you're looking for someone that's gonna stick around, how can you create an experience for them? And how can you create, just how can you make it so that their story is a good one and one that they're gonna wanna share with their friends? Uh, we, we had talked earlier, at, you know, as we were getting ready to go to lunch today, we had looked at a couple Jeeps in the parking lot. And I, I Jeep owners I love because they're so into it's it, it is very much a story brand. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I ask you know, every Jeep owner, I'm like, you know, it are you getting ready for the apocalypse? <laughs> like when the zombies is that what this is about? Yes, we are. Yes, we are prepared no matter what we will we will ride over that curve in construction yeah we don't need to go four-wheeling right we can ride over a pothole and feel like a man and that is the story that is the story of the jeep owner it's not that i'm actually going to use these things it's that i could if i wanted yes and it's the the that story of potential of of the ability to to like self-actualize in your environment in your vehicle is the story yeah it is it is i mean so you want to talk about jeeps yes absolutely love jeeps too so right it's got four wheels it's got seats just like anything i could be riding a prius i could be riding a honda accord a porsche ferrari or jeep but it's how we feel how i feel when i'm riding that jeep that I love. And honestly, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I mean, that's great that they may like it, but me like rumbling down the road mm-hmm. in this big fat Tonka toy is awesome, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's how I feel when I'm doing it. It's not the actual driving the Jeep. Precisely. And so that Rubicon that we were looking at, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I went and, and grabbed lunch with that guy a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about this trail that he does. And, and I drive a forerunner, which you were in. And I was like, so in my forerunner, in four low, could I get to that trail? Where And he's like, yeah, you could get there. And he's like, but when you get there, you wouldn't be able to drive over rocks. <laughs> and he's like, that's the difference. Yeah. That's what we're about is that once you're out there, you're on the trails, can you just go ahead and put one wheel up on that rock? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he's like, that's what it's about. I and know. I was like, I can dig that. I can yeah. really, I mean. Yeah. 
yeah. So back to your story, Clay, because I really, I really enjoy kind of hearing some of these things about you. And I think that the listeners also really appreciate that as well, that your sort of uh, transparency and honesty. So uh, we did get into a discussion over lunch today over the founding of, mm-hmm. of 321 Go mm-hmm. Project. We, we've talked about this a little bit, but today we kind of went somewhere a little bit more emotional mm-hmm. about that founding. So, so give us an idea of, of what that looked like and what, what precipitated the founding of the company. Sure, sure. So 321 Go is definitely a really, really cool story. And it's a story that honestly was like, uh, gosh, graduated from college way back when, like 1998, and then got into a job that I thought that I would enjoy and then got stuck in something that I like getting little advances in corporate America, working for company after company, trying to get that little bit of pay raise and not feeling fulfilled. I'm like, what the heck am I doing with my life? You know, not knowing that there, there was even an alternative. I, I didn't really look at myself as an entrepreneur. I really didn't. Like looking back, I realized that I was just because I, I had like my first grass cutting job when I was like 13 years old. You know, and we did like sold different stuff and and um, to my friends and didn't realize I had that in me. But I just I had fear. Right. So the security of that corporate um, gig was very comfortable. And and so and so when that ended and I was working for a company called Fiskers and they the orange handled scissors and garden tools that you see in Home Depot I was creative director for them back in 2008 when the market crashed. And um, Fiskers closed the whole division and 70 of us got laid off. And that was crazy. That was crazy because I was in marketing and design and nobody was hiring. So, yeah, it was crazy, crazy. That's hard. really and, – and for those that don't know, I think everybody knows, but like being in marketing and design, those were the first oh, yeah. jobs to go. And that was like – those are the departments that were completely made as lean as possible, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so – so for me to go out there and say, okay, let me look for another marketing job, like they didn't exist. People were laughing at me. They're like, are you kidding me? You know? And so here I am. I had four kids that, that relied on me, um, a beautiful wife, and all of them were like, okay, uh, that's great that you were laid off, but we still need to eat and we still need to live. So, um, so yeah, so we had a home and we were supposed to refinance our home and the the day that I got laid off, the next day we were supposed to close on our home, the free financing. Wow. And it didn't go through because I didn't have a job. So we struggled. We almost lost our home. And um, we didn't um, just by just honestly, just by uh, lots and lots of prayer and just we were able to work it out with the bank. But it was a lot of lot of hard work. But yeah. we were able to figure it out. And honestly, for me, it was just like this is it. Like there was no like other option. I'm like, I got to figure this out. No one was hiring. So fortunately I had some freelance design and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do design work and just work my work my ass off until, Mm -hmm. until we can figure something out. So that's what we did. And we scraped by and I'm telling you, man, there was days that I remember that we didn't, I did not have gas money to drive down to Salt Lake from Park City to do whatever, pick up something. But I'm like, oh my gosh, like we just didn't have anything. So, um, so fast forward probably about two or three years, I had, I had strung a couple projects together for freelance and design and, and, and it was involved in a couple startups and all of them failed. And, um, they were really, they were great learning experiences, but 
now I can say that, but going through them, they were terrible. They were mm-hmm. super hard, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so they were, that was really, really tough. And then um, I got, I started CrossFit and this was back in, um, gosh, I've been in CrossFit now for six, seven years, maybe, um, maybe even, it's been a long time, six, between six and eight years. And Chris Spieler is my brother-in-law. And so I was one of his first clients and, and I didn't really know what I was doing working out. I was trying to do the whole tries and buys and just bored out of my mind. <laughs> I'm a soccer player and love playing basketball and sports and stuff. So going to the gym is terrible. So anyway, um, really quick. Chris is like, Hey, I need some, some people to train. So I'm like, sure, I'll do this crazy thing. And so um, the first time I did it, I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but it absolutely kicked my butt and I love it. And um, it honestly really kind of transformed me. It really gave me this this sense of like, man, I know this is really hard, but if I can do that, I can do this. Mm. And that mm-hmm. translated into my other parts of my business. And so then, so then from there, fast forward probably about a year um, – uh, Chris was traveling with um, level one certs and going around the world at the time and meeting lots of gym owners would come back and be like, Clay, like a lot of these gym owners really need help. Like they really need help from the branding website part. And we had done all of Chris's marketing across the park city. So he's like, man, you could, there's a really an opportunity here. So, so that's where three, two, one go started. Honestly, it just came out of a, uh, just an idea that Chris and I had. And then also just from my background. And so. That's it, man. That's where the story came from. So, like, the seminal part of your story here is, like, your back up against the wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you know, c- coming out of that experience of being laid off, yeah. struggling, not having gas money. I mean, yeah. that's, like, that's intense, yeah, man. Yeah, intense. Like, and, and then for you, so now, now you're a client of Chris's. Yeah. You're, you are now an athlete. Yeah. And you have this, and now you've got this story every single day where it just starts off like, hey, this guy is looking for clients, and I went and trained with him. But now this that that experience transformed into I go here for, like, mental resilience. Because I can do this, I can do everything outside of here. Yeah. You know, and so back to this original conversation of who, it, as the gym owner, who are your you know, who are your clients? What is their story? It, you know, that, you know, your thrusters and burpees don't matter Mm -hmm. at that point. You know, it's, it's coming out of there and having like the mental wherewithal to Mm -hmm. finish your day, finish your week because you did thrusters and burpees, you know, the thrusters and burpees are an afterthought of that experience. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, and, and, and what you said is, is, is absolutely true. Like for me mentally, it's just, it's really helped me understand like being, having my back against the wall is just really understanding the clients that we work with, knowing that like, Hey man, like I was there, like, I know what it's like to be like working a full-time job, trying to make it and, and, and building your business, you know, on the, on your, like on your back with no one kind of like giving you anything, you know, so I know what that's like. And, and so that has really helped me and, and only, and, and also for us as a company to really understand our clients more to say, Hey, you know, we know where you've been. We know what it's like. Hey, we're here to help you through it. You know, Mm, I think that resonates. So you, you started three, two, one go, uh, based off of this need from Chris's traveling around the world, hearing all of these things. Do you remember it, when you started the the company? What was that kind of like first 
big victory that you felt like where you're like oh my gosh this is resonating like somebody gets it what i'm putting out into the world matters do you remember one of those first experiences yeah yeah it it was a year after we started honestly the first year (laughs) of three two one go my wife was so okay i'm not i mean not gonna tear her apart because julie is awesome but she was like clay this better work because it had been a long time where we were struggling and i'm like i just i just truly believe you know how when you have that gut that you're like hey it's not going to be easy but you know like the end result's going to be worth it Mm -hmm. you know which i know a lot of gym owners feel like they're struggling but they see the end in sight they see that light at the end of the tunnel that's what it was for me and that first year was terrible i mean i think I can count on my hand the number of websites that we built on one hand. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, gosh, this better work, you know. And honestly, a year to the day, which is crazy to me because I remember we started January 5th is when we launched the website. And I did the logo and it was really cool to kind of give it like here we are, like presenting ourselves to the world. The one person like like my mom who clicked on the website, right? But a year to the day, like I remember we had just finished Matt Chan's website, CrossFit Mm. Verve. And um, that story is actually a crazy story as well. But um, super proud of it. And we launched it right around Christmas time. And um, right after the first of the year, honestly, a year to the day, somehow like that website really helped us kind of get going. And it's opened up this like floodgate of like people that like, okay, well, if you built his and you built CrossFit Park City, you must have some clue of what you're doing. You know, Mm, we'll give you an opportunity. And honestly, when I didn't have to, the big win for me is when I actually didn't have to talk to somebody and they still gave me money. I didn't have to convince them or try and sell them to, they, they just, I got money saying, Hey, we want you to build a website. We, we trust you from what you've put on your own website. So does that make sense? That makes complete yeah, sense. That was huge for me. I, I really like that because I think a lot of gym owners can resonate with that idea of, you know, I, you know, somebody, I get a lead from my website and I got to call them right away. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that feeling of like yeah. my reputation yes. is the reason that you're here. Yeah. That like it's, you know, you're, so I, I, I love that. So that's the high point. Um, low points on the journey. Is there anything yeah. that's sticking out to you of like, man, this is a struggle? Because I think that sometimes people get the perception. And if you listen back to the podcast that Julie and I did together, that was sort of born out of I, you know, hearing from a lot of gym owners and talking to them on the phone and getting Facebook messages from them. And they're like, am I the only one that's struggling? Am I the only one that has days that I absolutely hate and like wondering why I opened my business? And I, you know, we've always talked about transparency and like, it's not all great. Like we've made mistakes. We've had difficult times. So, you know, what, what are some of those tough times? Obviously that first year was, (laughs) was rough, but can you think of any others that, that really stand out to you? Sure. That first year was really, really rough, but it was a really growing and really helped build resilience, I think, because then once, um, I think, I think, uh, I believe that, that the life of an entrepreneur is definitely a very lonely road. Mm. Um, most of the time it's very lonely. There's small parts where you get this like attaboy or where you get this pat on the back, you know, and these successes. But for the most part, it's the, it's that, uh, in it 
it's that hustle. It's that persistence, the perseverance that you're in it, doing it day by day. Well, there's no one standing over you saying, good job, you know, keep going, you know. So that road of, a, of an entrepreneur is very, very lonely, you know, when you're sitting behind mm. your desk. Mm. And so, so with that being said, like, um, the struggle is definitely real. Like, uh, yeah, it's been hard because um, people think that you're, especially when you when you put yourself out there, that a lot of people are very willing to criticize, you know, whether it's like, um, and you take it personally. So I think that's been really hard for me because I tend to take a lot of things personally. And um, I, I, I used to trust a lot of people. I'm very, very weary, weary yeah, now, yeah. but um, I'm, I was very trusting. So if someone didn't like what we were offering, I would get offended and I would be like, well, what did, what do we do wrong or how can we make it right? And basically promise things that we can't really deliver on. You know what I mean? So we've had experiences like that, but just even in the evolution of three, two, one go, man, I'll tell you, we've had people like, um, just even people that were close that I thought were like, man, we, we got this, you know, let's do this together. Mm -hmm. We've got great, great intentions from the very beginning. And then, man, it's just crazy how, how quickly it falls apart. You know, even when you try and get things like dialed in, whether it's a contract or whatever, like it's it's just crazy when when um, when people want to go in different directions that like it's it's pretty much impossible sometimes to turn it around, you know. And so we've had that. We've definitely had our share of that. And, and um, it's it, it stinks. I'm not going to lie. Like I definitely um, it, it's been really, really hard, you know, personally and um, and just as a team, like to say, okay, how are we going to get through this? You know, and I, and I'm going to massacre it, but like a book that's been huge for me, um, is the obstacle is the way it's been a, it's a brilliant book. And I've actually, I'm working on my second time reading it, but it said something about the idea of like, um, bad companies fold when an obstacle comes, good companies persevere and they, they make it, but they're mm -hmm. still just good companies. Um, the best companies take that obstacle and make it like a win for them. So what they were, they step way above that and they achieve so much more because of what that obstacle was. So the obstacle is the way, right? You take that obstacle, you look it in the face and be like, here's, what's, here's what I have. This is what I got in front of me. What am I going to do with it? I'm either going to like, um, like, like wither in the, in the wind, right? Or I'm going to take that and be like, you know, screw that. You know what I mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become so much better because of that. Uh, so interesting that you said that. I, I remember when my gym first opened, every time somebody would like cancel their membership, <laughs> it was like – it was like breaking up with like yeah. it was like ending an engagement and it would like tear me apart and i i did this thing where i would like you know post the membership report to to our coaches and be like hey just so you guys know you know Susie and and like all of these people left this week you know and like not really knowing why or what they're you know like not attaching anything to that but just feeling completely rejected and like yeah. doing that enough times you're like this is this can't be the way that this is done yeah. there's there's some there's got to be a better way to do this and it became like why are they leaving and back to this idea of story mm -hmm. why is this client breaking up with me you know what i mean if this product was irresistible if this story was irresistible if what i was providing fit into their life story appropriately 
They wouldn't leave. Yeah. Because again, the burpees are an afterthought. Yeah. It's that story that's first. It is. Yeah. Um, wow. Clay, again, so we're actually running a little longer than we anticipated, but I think that we went uh, with a really good place here. Um, as always, we want to leave something with our listeners. So um, if, if this resonates, so like hearing like some of the things that Clay has said about the founding of 321 Go, his experience as, as a CrossFitter and somebody that got laid off, having his back against the wall and fighting through and, and certainly having obstacles come up along the way, um, what, what would you give to the gym owners that, that hear that and they're like, I need to control my own story. I need to write my story. I need to be able to communicate this. What What's a way that, that they can begin to chip away at this, this exercise? Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing that I can offer is to not go at it alone. Um, I, to me, I think when we kind of uh, think about our own problems, we think about the things we're struggling with, I think we tend to get consumed by them. And I think even talking about them with other people is very, uh, it's very eye opening, but it's also very, uh, like therapeutic, right? Because by talking about it with someone, you actually hear yourself, hear your thoughts come out to somebody. And then all of a sudden they, you may actually, um, change your idea of the way it should be just from what you hear. So by hearing yourself speak, sometimes you can say, Hey, uh, what was I thinking? Like, that's not even what I should be doing. So my my best thing is not go at it alone. Knowing that the life of an entrepreneur is, uh, entrepreneur is very lonely, do whatever you can to change that because that's a given. We know that's going to happen. But make put yourself out there. Find a networking group. Go to meet up and find a local business entrepreneur group that you can connect with and let and, – and realize that you're not in it alone. There's a lot of other people. Connect with other gym owners. And, and say, hey, what are you struggling with? How can we help each other? You know, you're not the only one. And I think once I realized that and I didn't think I was some loser, like that I couldn't figure this out and that, man, I keep failing, I keep failing, I keep failing. I realized that like, man, that's part of it. Like that's part of the journey. That's part of the story is to fail. Because if you don't fail, obviously you need to learn from that, like and not have that make that same mistake again. But success will come. It's just inevitable. If you keep trying and trying and trying, eventually something is going to stick. Something is going to resonate with your clients, but don't give up. That's Clay. Um, that's incredible. I, that, that resonates with me a lot. I love this idea of not going it alone, trusting in other people, talking about the process. And, um, yeah. So Clay, thanks for taking the time to come, yeah. you know, to come to Kansas City. I always enjoy uh, uh, our time in Kansas City together. And uh, thanks for sticking around to be on the show. Yeah, buddy. Thank you.